Matthew chapter number 11, verses 2 and 3. I don't know if you've probably, I've preached this before, but I've got this on my heart today. It's been strong on my heart. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I want to try to preach to you for just a few minutes, if I can, on doubters' prison. Doubters' prison. This is interesting because John the Baptist is in a position that he thought he'd never be in. Now understand, I want to lay this down for you for just a few minutes, and I want you to see here that John the Baptist was God's man. John the Baptist was prophesied to come. The Bible tells us that John was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. He said, uh, says of him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness... Make straight the paths of God. You understand what he said? There's more to it. I can't quote it verbatim. Please pardon me for that. But we understand he was prophesied to come. And even though he was prophesied, he was still in doubter's prison. Now then, not only was he prophesied to come, but then also I see that he was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. Now, I do believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost, but may I say this, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it'll put you in your right mind. It won't take you out of your right mind. Amen? But we're talking about a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost of God in his mother's womb. Do you remember when Mary came to Elizabeth to tell her the great tidings of one, the Messiah that was to come? Remember, the baby was filled and jumped in his mother's womb and then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost of God. And it's been a long time since his birth, but yet now in Matthew chapter 11, we find John in doubter's prison. Well, then not only that, now hold on just a minute as if those things weren't something. We find now John's on the side of the Jordan River and uh, he looks and the Bible says this, that Jesus was revealed to him. The Holy Ghost lit on him. John saw that and John then makes the proclamation to the whole world. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What a blessing that would have been to be John the Baptist that day. We don't see many great miracles, if any, that John the Baptist did. Yet God revealed to him who the Messiah would be. And yet in Matthew chapter number 11, John's in doubter's prison. My favorite thing that uh, the Bible says about John is very simple. He says this, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So we understand that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was uh, prophesied to come. We understand that he is the one that was the forerunner of God. He proclaimed who Jesus Christ was. And then also, not only that, but we see that he was sent from God. Yet John was having some doubts in Matthew chapter number 11. And may I say this, I laid this out for you to see that if John the Baptist had some problems with doubt, you're going to fight those battles from time to time. 
Now I want you to understand tonight, I'm, as I preach this message, I'm not making excuses for doubt. God knows that's a weakness in every man. But I want to say this, we all struggle with it from time to time. If you have not, thank God for you. You just overlook us mere Christians down here and uh, you go on and do your thing and just praise God for that. But I want to say this, there's been times when I have struggled with doubt in my soul. Now I want you to understand, there is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Did you know that? Uh, usually when people think you're, you're talking about doubt, that's what they're getting confused with is unbelief. Unbelief is you willfully rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is you willfully holding back your faith and your belief in a truth that has been shown. That's what unbelief is. Oh, I don't believe that. But doubt is this. Doubt is you wavering in the position that you hold in Jesus Christ. Not that you doubt the Savior, but you may doubt the situation. I, I, I'm going to tell you this. There's been times, and I don't know how far I'm going to go with this. I don't even know if I'll stay with my outline tonight, but I want to say this. If you get bad news, guess what? There's going to be some doubts hit your mind. May I say this tonight? I, 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 first of all, some things that will cause doubt in your soul. Number one, fear will cause doubt. You know what? John was in, he was in prison and he was afraid. Now, listen to me. John is here and he's doubting. And we'll get into that a little bit more in just a few minutes. But I'm glad, you know, the Bible tells us this in the Old Testament a whole lot. He said, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. But you know why he said that? He said that because he knew we were so apt to do a lot of uh, fearful things and be afraid all the time. Did he not? I believe he knows us that we're frail, that we are a, that we are just human. And the Bible even says this, and I'm thankful for scriptures uh, that say this. David said, "At what time I am what afraid, I will trust in Thee." Have you ever been in a bad situation and you doubted the situation? You wondered what God was up to. You never doubted who Christ was, but you were just doubting what's God doing. I just don't know if you can pull this one through, Lord. Now, I know sometimes we can get so spiritual that we, we won't recognize that fact. But I want to tell you this. When fear grips your heart, you're liable to doubt. What about when Peter was walking on the water? Oh, Peter's walking on the water and he's going up and down. The storm is going up and down and he's walking up those waves and all of a sudden he gets his eyes off of Jesus and he gets it on the storm and all of a sudden he begins to sink. And what? Out of fear, he cries out, Lord, help me. And what did the Lord do? The Lord reached down and pulled him up. And then after he reached down and pulled him up, he looked at him and said, Peter, where did you doubt? Wherefore did you doubt? In other words, where was it, Peter, that doubt entered your mind? I believe it was when he became afraid. He got his focus off the Lord, did he not? 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18 tells us that fear has torment. The Bible says this, well, if you define torment, it means extreme anguish. It means the utmost degree of misery of body and mind. Did you know the Bible talks about uh, that in hell there'll be torments? 
So I guess you could say that when you're afraid down here, that's one of the closest things to hell you can get is to be afraid because it has torment. One writer said it like this. He said that to fear is the pain before the wound. And a lot of times when you get fearful, you know what you'll do? You'll begin to doubt. Oh, I remember when, uh, when they talked about the swine flu it came out, I don't know, several years ago, right when I uh, got married, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. And I began to feel pretty bad. I couldn't even walk up step, two steps and my lungs were hurting and everything like that. So I thought, well, they're talking about this stuff awful bad. I, I think I'm going to go to the doctor and just get myself checked out. There I was. I was only in my 30s, young, early 30s. And I walked in there and that doctor said this, you have the swine flu and pneumonia. And because of all the fear-mongering that was going on in the media, you know what happened? Fear gripped my soul. Have you ever been afraid? Sometimes that will call doubt. What about, what about disappointment? Has anybody ever been disappointed? Did you know what disappointment will do? Disappointment will cause you to doubt. You know, John thought this. He thought he would be in the palace, but he didn't believe he'd be in the basement. See, John thought that Jesus was the Messiah. John believed this, as all Israelites did, that there was a literal Messiah coming to take the literal nation of Israel out from under Roman rule and would establish the government of Israel again. But Jesus had other plans, did he not? And John is there and he's disappointed at the situation. Some of you, you've raised your children better than what they are acting right now and you're just kind of disappointed. And you know what? Sometimes that brings doubts in your heart. You're disappointed because maybe you were overlooked at the job. Man, I'm a Christian. They watch me pray. And yet somebody else got the job. I do a better job than they do. And you're disappointed. And all of a sudden, you're mad at God. You're mad at everybody else. And it brings doubt. Disappointment. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah hauled off and said it like this. He said in, I believe it's Jeremiah chapter 20, he said this, Lord, you've deceived me. Jeremiah is in the, 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 he is in the muck and mire. He is in the prison. And he said, Lord, you lied to me. But God hadn't lied to him. He just forgot what God said way back yonder when he called him to preach. How would you fellows have, y'all remember when y'all got called to preach? You remember how it felt in your soul? You remember how it just burned on the inside and everybody shouted and it was just wonderful to see a young preacher. God's still calling preachers. Yeah, wonderful. Well, what if the Holy Ghost would have come to you that night and said, yes, you're going to burn in your heart. I'm going to call you to preach, but nobody's going to listen. That's exactly what Jeremiah did. He said, don't be afraid of their faces. He said, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have all these things. But yet Jeremiah, see, he was disappointed because what he felt didn't exactly line up with what was going on. And he was disappointed. And Jeremiah had some doubts. Man, I'm telling you, I've been disappointed a time or two, hadn't you? What about Cleophas? Luke chapter 24, verse 21. But we trusted. There he is walking down the road. Jesus has already been crucified. He's resurrected, but he's not shown himself to some of his disciples. He's shown himself to the apostles. But there's Cleophas, and he's kicking the can down the road with his partner. And all of a sudden, this man comes up, and he's Jesus Christ, and he's veiled. And he said, why in the world are you so down? They said, well, we supposed that this Jesus would have delivered us 
out from under bondage. We suppose it had been him that was the Messiah. They forgot, didn't they? You know what they were? They were disappointed. And then when they got there, I don't know, when they got home, I don't know if it was the prince in his hands or if it was the breaking of bread or if it was the words that he uttered. But I do know this, they, they saw that it was Jesus. At that time, God lifted the veil and their hearts burned within them and they began to rejoice again. But because of their disappointments, they were doubting. And you're going to doubt too. What about uh, not only fear will cause you to doubt, disappointment will cause you to doubt, but I want to say this, watching the world and the shake that it's in and everybody getting away, the sinners getting away with wickedness, watching everybody else prosper but the good folks, that, that'll put some doubt in your heart. I got news for you Christians, buckle up, it's going to get worse. Brother Larry Wells told me, he said, Brother Michael, he said, I remember in my day you could go preach and it wasn't nothing for five or six people to get saved every night. Man, people would shout and protracted meetings would go on seven, eight, nine, ten weeks at a time. And I said, Brother Wells, I don't remember any of that. He said, I, I guess, I told him, I said, I guess I have an advantage because I don't remember the Spirit of God moving that way. And I don't believe it's because the Spirit of God does not want to move. I believe it's because there is a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. And may I say this to you today? You're going to look around and you know what's going to happen. You're going to think the bad guys win. And I know there was a lot said last time I was here about the election. But I want to tell you this. I rolled over and went to sleep after I found out we still didn't have a prayer. I don't know what happened. Guess what? Jesus is still on the throne. But you know what? During our disappointments and our fears and things don't go the way we want, sometimes doubt creeps up in our heads and our heart. You know, old David there in Psalm chapter number 72, you know what he said? He said this, in the first verse, let's make him a modern day Christian if we can. In the first verse, he said it like this. He said, God is so good to Israel. That second verse, though, he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. They had well nigh slipped. You know why? You know why he almost fell? Do you know why he was doubting at that moment? It's because he said, I looked around and all the wicked were prospering. They had more than what they wanted. They were, hey, listen, how many of you had ever thought there'd come a day when a man could marry a man and a woman could marry a woman? Hey, they try to destroy marriage and say that it's, you know, it was nothing and then these people shacking up together and living together and then all of a sudden now it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Now Satan wants to pervert marriage. Hey, listen to me. When you look around and if you get your focus off Christ, it will cause you to doubt. He said they even die peacefully. Goodness gracious, can you believe that? Now wait just a minute though. He said, but I went into the house of the Lord and I thought about their end. And he said, you know what? I, I, I'm on the winning side of this thing. Amen. David was almost doubting. Hey, listen, fear will cause you to doubt. Disappointment will cause you to doubt. Not only that, but listen, watching the, the other wicked folk around us prosper, that'll cause you to doubt. Now, Brother Michael, was that your message today? No, I got four little points that I want to try to help you get out of doubter's prison tonight. Somebody here may have a problem with doubt. John was in a prison, and usually, listen to me, when you're in prison, you don't have the key. 
Somebody else is going to have to let you out. And listen to me, this dungeon that I suspect that John the Baptist in was a dark, lowly dungeon. May I say this to you? John knew who to call for. Now listen to me. This was an humbling experience to John. First of all, I want to say this to you. For you to be able to get out of doubter's prison, you're going to have to acknowledge the fact you've got a problem. May I say this to you? Throw religion out the door. Throw it in the creek and get you a relationship. Amen? Because religion will send you to hell. But may I say this? If all you have is religion, you will walk around with doubts all the time. You want to know why? Because you're not good enough. We're constantly catching up on our sanctification. But may I say this to you, you're going to have to acknowledge the fact that you've got problems with doubts. There are some camp meeting preachers that will tell you, if you have doubts, you're probably not saved. I've got one word, hogwash. Hey, listen to me. Acknowledge you got a problem. What about Mark chapter number 9? Y'all remember Mark chapter number 9? That father, he sees that little boy and that little boy is possessed by a devil. And, and in the morning, that devil would throw him in the river and try to drown him. And in the evening, he'd throw him in the fire and he'd try to burn him up. And that, that father with tears in his eyes and, and a heartbreak and fear in his soul takes that boy to the disciples. He's seen them do, other, do miracles for others, but they couldn't do anything for him. You don't believe that man was in a little bit of doubt? Hey, listen to me. He had to get to a point where he acknowledged the problem that he had. Finally, he went to Jesus and you know what happened? He said, Lord, he said, would you help me and my boy? He said, mainly, would you help me? He said, really, my boy's demon possessed, but I'm the one that has the problem because it's tormenting me just as much as it is tormenting that boy. And you know what he said? Jesus said this, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now listen to that gigantic mountain of a statement. If you can believe, all things are possible. But this boy had seen his disciples, this man had seen the disciples not able to cast the devil out. This man had seen that devil throw his son down. No telling how many scars that little boy had. And yet the Bible says this, you'll read this, it says through tears he looked at Jesus and said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Man, have you ever been there? <laughs> I believe, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Somebody might be here tonight in that same struggle. Listen to me, you're going to have to acknowledge the fact you've got a problem. Hey, listen to me, God knows everything. You may be able to hide it from the people at Bible Baptist Church. You may be able to hide it from the man and the woman sitting on the pew beside you. But guess what? We're all made out of flesh and we've all got problems. Oh my. You know what John did? John had to humble himself. He went, listen, he told his two disciples. Do you know what that means? John was the teacher. The disciples were the students. And he had to tell them, would you please go and ask Jesus if he's the one? I can't go tell him, would you go for me? And that'll lead me into the second point. Uh, number one, you're going to have to acknowledge that you've got a problem. Number two, ask for intercessory prayer. John was in a place where he could not move. He could not get out. But listen to me, do you know what he did do? He said, would you go ask the Lord for me? 
Do you want to know what's so important about church unity? Yes, the Spirit of God needs to move. But may I say this? There's even a scripture that says if a man and wife are not getting along very well, it'll hinder their prayers. Listen to me. Do you want to know what's greater? One of the greatest things that you can do for each other is this. You can pray one for another. We need to intercede one for another. You know what we need to do? We need to turn the gossip machine off. I was listening to uh, uh, today a book on John Bunyan. It was his autobiography. And I didn't know this and I'm going to say this. I don't mean to cast down at all. My wife and I, we were talking about this on the way up. But did you know John, John Bunyan was accused of committing adultery and murder? Did you know how that happened? One little rumor. And my wife looked at me and said, you know, Michael, I know John Bunyan was a good man, but don't that kind of just leave a little mark there somehow? I said, honey, that's possibly, probably not even true. And they went through a big trial and everything about that. But somewhere deep in the back of your mind, you think, is that true? Do you know what you do when you gossip about somebody? First of all, if you don't know and you haven't seen with your own eyes... Please be quiet. I'm not your pastor. That's probably not my place to say. But I'm your Christian brother. Listen to me. Don't believe everything you hear and don't believe half the things you see. You know, the devil's a liar. And when you lie, you're just like the devil. And usually when you're telling lies, even if you probably don't know that, or excuse me, if you don't, if you tell something that's not the truth, it is a lie whether you know it or not. And besides that, may I say this, there's not one of us who walked in with golden slippers tonight. Amen? What am I trying to do? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to get us to examine ourselves. Galatians chapter 6 says this, Brethren, if you see a man overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in a manner of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. That word consider comes from a Greek word that we get our word scope. Y'all right, you deer hunters, you know what I'm talking about? That word is scope. And it means this, to really take a look at where you are. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Oh, listen to me, how many times have you stood in need of prayer? And how many times have you needed God to do something, but you just couldn't pray like you wanted to? You couldn't pray like you needed to. Has anybody ever been there? Hey, listen to me. The last five, six, seven years, I'll be honest with you, I have struggled in my prayer life. I have just, I'll be honest with you, every time I get down to pray, it seems like Brother Pendergrass, I'm battling every devil from hell. I'm just being honest with you. Everything else will go through my mind, what needs to be done, what don't need to be done. Weird things that I'm not, I'm telling I mean, I could be thinking about something I need from God and Play-Doh will come to my mind. So you know what I do? Sometimes, and I'm just trying to help you tonight, you know what I do? Instead of getting down on my face and my hands and going to sleep when I pray, I get down and I just look up in the corner and I say, God, here I am again. I don't know what to do. I'll be honest with you, the situation looks pretty bleak and I don't see a way. I'm like the children of Israel. Lord, I don't know what to do. And God, my Aunt Brenda told me this. Some of y'all know my Aunt Brenda, Brenda Thomason. She told me this one time. She said, you know, Michael, when I can't pray, sometimes I just say this, Lord, lay me on a prayer warrior's heart. Hey, 
listen to me. You don't know who you're going to help get out of prison. If God puts a face before your mind tonight or your spirit tonight, you don't have to pray 30 minutes for them. Get down and pray three minutes for them. It could be that you have the key of somebody's prison this evening. It could be that their doubts could be lifted and the fog could be gone because you have interceded for somebody. The Bible says this, bear ye one another's burdens and so, listen to this, fulfill the law of Christ. And Christ's law was greater than the Old Testament law. Why is that? Because it's all found, all the Old Testament laws are found in two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind. And number two, love thy neighbor as thyself. Oh, boy. Love thy neighbor as thyself stuff. Boy, that's hard preaching. You say adultery is hard preaching. No, forgiveness is hard preaching. It's hard to forgive somebody. It got kind of quiet there. It's hard to forgive, ain't it? Well, we're good. We send our tithes at the Baptist church. We're doing okay. We shout and sing every now and again, but I'm harboring some hard feelings against somebody. Ooh. Bible says, <laughs> oh, I'm, I don't know how much time I got. I got my timer up here, but I'll slow it down here in a minute. But I want you to understand, listen to me. The Bible says this. He talked about this was Old Testament. This was Jesus. If you go to give an offering and you know that a brother has all with you, you got an all with your brother, he said, you just leave that sacrifice there. And said, then go back and get it right to that other brother. And then you can come down together and sacrifice one with another. And then I'll take your sacrifice. But until then, it's stinky. Listen, I'm trying to talk about Doubter's Prison. I don't know where in the world I got on that. See, but I found this out. A lot of people, and y'all are the cream of the crop on Wednesday night. I found out our problem on Wednesday night crowds is not adultery, is not fornication, is not pornography, but it's things like malice and deceit and gossip. And it's those things like that that we think we're overly religious because Brother Gravely is our pastor. And I say, I say that respectfully. But may I say this to you? Listen to me. We're nothing without each other. We're nothing without the Spirit of God. We're nothing without Jesus Christ. We need one another. And you can help somebody get out of doubter's prison by interceding for them. Man, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that said this. No brother could do me a greater kindness than that he pray for me. <laughs> oh, Charles Spurgeon, he wanted them to see the boiler room, is what he called it. And they were like, boiler room? He said, yeah, this is where my power from preaching comes from. And they thought he was going to take them down and let them see where the heat comes from. And he went down there, and you know what? Before he was a preacher, there's two or three hundred men down underneath that basement of that church, and they were praying. That was his power room. I wonder if the reason why we're not having revival is because we've quit interceding one for another. What's that primitive quartet song that says this? Go and tell Jesus on me when my faults and failures you see. If you are my brother, don't go tell another, but go and tell Jesus on me. Hey, listen, your intercession could be what gets someone out of doubter's prison tonight. Well, not only that, may I say this, the third key that might, might get you out of doubter's prison is to think back, reflect on the blessings that God's done for you in the past. If God's not doing anything for you right now, look at what God's done for you before. 
man, John, he, he goes on, and those two disciples, they go up to Jesus. And, and I believe this, if I read that correctly, the words of the scriptures, this is the scene. Jesus waits for his disciples, John's disciples, to get there. And there's a blind man waiting so he can heal them in front of them. And there's a dead man there so he can raise him up in front of him. And there's those deaf people there so that they could see with their eyes that, that, that Jesus is doing and who is who he says he is. I don't know if that made sense or not. It did in my mind. There's a lot of conversations come out and me and my wife talking that makes sense to me. So I hope that made sense. What I'm basically saying is this. Jesus wanted John to know that he was who he said he was. And listen to me, John was in prison. He wasn't seeing those things. But listen to me, you might be doubting tonight. You might be saying, God's not doing anything. May I say this? Just because you don't see God moving don't mean he ain't moving somehow. Oh, at the right time, at the right place, man. I can tell you this, listen to me, when my wife and I first got married... We were just always living high on a hog and we was living in about a 300 square foot house. Little old mother-in-law shack behind some people's house and went to church with them and that's about all I could afford, you know. And, uh, I looked at my wife, you know, and we, we just loved each other, you know, and I had a good job working up on top of Signal Mountain and one day they keyed the microphone and they said, Michael, come to the office. And the Holy Ghost, after that thing went click, the Holy Ghost went click, Michael, you're going to lose your job but it's going to be okay. I'm talking about as clear as my, to my soul. The Lord said that to my soul as loud as I'm talking to you. And I went there, went to the office and sure enough, you know what they did? They handed me a pink slip and they said, you're not wanted anymore, but they said it a little bit nicer than that. But that's basically what they were saying. So then time rocked on and the Holy Ghost said this, by the way, don't draw any unemployment either. What about that? Well, God had called me to preach and this was a trial that I was beginning to go through. And I didn't know what was going on. And I had opportunity to go work at jobs that paid $75,000, but I'd be gone on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and the Holy Ghost said, no, you can't do that. And so one day, one Sunday morning, I got up and the cupboards began to get bare. God had not let us go hungry. God had not, he'd left the power on. I could pay my rent and all that kind of stuff, but there wasn't much left. And you know what I did? I went to the cabinet one day and the cupboards were getting bare and I love Aunt Jemima pancakes. And I went in there and I said, honey, I'm going to make some pancakes this morning, get ready for church. I went in there and there wasn't any Aunt Jemima pancake mix. And Brother Pendergrass, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. There I was supposed to be a man and a man of God and tough and rough. And I grabbed my wife up and I began to boo-hoo on her shoulder. And I said, honey, I'm supposed to provide for you. And I love you and I don't know what God's doing. I didn't know what God was doing. God said no every turn that I went. Then I went to church that Sunday morning. Oh yeah, I was prepared to worship. No, I wasn't either. I went just dragging. But I walked in, the preacher said, hey Michael, the church did something for you. I went back there and there was nine bags of groceries. And on top of that big bag of groceries, on the very top was a box of ancient mama pancake mix. And the Holy Ghost said, I'll not only meet your needs, but I'll give you what you want sometimes. And God put me in, went on past that little trial. And God's, I've been in the ministry full time since then. So men, that's a lesson to you. You walk with God. Hey, Abraham's life was just a bunch of highlights. The rest of the time he's occupying. 
But when God comes to you with the big things, you obey the big and the little things. I'm telling you, you better obey God. He'll bless you. But then I want to say this. We was having a little time up at North Rockwood Baptist Church and a little God began to deal my heart on resigning. And I went in and I didn't know what to do. I was down in the dumps. I was feeling sorry for myself, just, you know, the way preachers do. So anyway, I went in and I preached this little couple's dinner. And after I got through preaching that couple's dinner, the ladies of that church had to give my wife this nice bag of goodies. Oh, man, it was beautiful. There's pins and all kind of women's stuff. But I want to tell you this. Do you know what was right on top of that basket of goodies for those women? A box of Aunt Jemima pancake mix. And you know what the Holy Ghost said to my heart? The Holy Ghost said this. He said, I will take care of you. Can I share something with y'all that I hadn't shared to a big congregation before? Did you know this? I walked in the back there. I didn't want nobody feeling sorry for me. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I don't like people feeling sorry for me. But I walked in the back. Brother Gravely said, hey, we want to give you an offering. And y'all gave us an offering. Well, I went up to a revival meeting the other night. It was the next night or two nights later. Do you know what that preacher said? Hey, God's laid it on my heart to give Brother Michael an offering. I didn't even preach. It's like working. That's not, not working, getting free money. You know what I mean? Now, what I'm trying to say is this. Then I went to another place and they said, let's give Michael some money. You know what I'm saying today? Listen to me. If God is not blessing you now, you can reflect on what God has done for you in your past and that'll help you get out of doubter's prison. Oh, yes. Hey, listen to me. The fourth thing is this, and it's very simple. I mean, profound in the same way. But the fourth thing is this. Just reflect on the gospel one more time. You know what John said, or Jesus said? He said, go back, tell them that the blind are seeing. Go tell them the dead are being raised. Go tell them that the deaf are hearing again. But he said this, but tell them the poor are having the gospel preached to them. May I say this, there is no greater message on the face of the earth than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord, amen. Hey, listen to me, I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Praise God, give me the doctrines of justification. Give me the doctrines of reconciliation. Give me the doctrines of predestination. Give me the doctrines of all, all those great doctrines, redemption. Man, give me those things. But I want to tell you this, all the doctrines, all the Old Testament, all the New Testament, it's all summed up. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 1, all summed up in one place at Golgotha's Hill where the blessed Son of God died for our sins and then rose again on the third day. Well, that'll get you excited. We'll shout about everything else, won't we? But sometimes we get up and preach a message on the cross, we just dry, sit the fool out of it. We shouldn't do that. I'm going to tell you this. Listen to me. You say, Brother Michael, I don't know if I can acknowledge all these things tonight. What does God think about me? Well, let me tell you what he thought about John. Now listen to me. Some commentary said this, that John sent those disciples for the disciples and not John. No, no, no. That's not the case. Look at your Bible. Jesus said, go tell John. But listen to this. Jesus said this when the disciples of John went away. What did Jesus think about John? 
in the midst of his doubt. He said, what went you out to see? Did you go see a reed shaking like the wind? He said, oh no. He said, did you go see just a prophet? He said, oh no. I tell you, this was more than a prophet. So listen to me. As far as I know, when you look at Romans and he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, that includes our frailty. Did you know that? And while you're down in your dumps tonight, and while you're feeling sorry for, my, for yourself, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, and you think, what must God think of me? May I say this to you tonight? The Lord loves you. He wants to help you. Let's get our focus back on the Lord. Are you in doubter's prison? John was a great man. John was prophesied to come. John was filled with the Holy Ghost. John was God's man sent to show the Lord Jesus. And yet John had some doubts. Even going so far as to question, are you he or do we look for another? Don't be surprised if you have doubts from time to time. Maybe you need some help tonight. Would you come? Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for your mercies and your grace. Please touch us. God, please help us to drop our pride and just say, Lord, we've got doubts. Lord, I'll be honest with you. Maybe the, I don't know what it is, but Lord, this, this situation just seems rougher than the last one. Lord, I'm a little depressed. Lord, I'm down. I'm having these panic attacks. I'm doing all this other kind of stuff. And you said that if I loved you, that I'd have joy. Lord, we understand that the Bible does say that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. But Lord Jesus, we need you that this time right now. I'm just not bearing any fruit. Lord, I pray that you'd please touch that person that needs you the most tonight and help us to pray one for another. In Jesus' name, while we stand tonight...